Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about one of the funniest stand-up comedians I've ever met. She's been on so many TV shows, like Late Night with David Letterman, and she's traveled all over the country performing. Some people know her as Karen Rontowski, wife of Mothman. Others know her as Paranormal Karen. Yes, she does stand up, but she does a lot more. She has a wonderful podcast. She gives tarot readings. And she is distinguished in part by being a stand-up who truly finds the funniest parts of the paranormal and metaphysical and riling up an audience with her true experiences. Look, she's just one of my favorite people. And this week, until March 1st, 2020, she is the headliner at the MGM Grand here in Las Vegas at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Her website is KarenRontowski.com. I'll spell that last name for you, R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I, KarenRontowski.com. Or you can just find her on Twitter, at Rontowski, and you can get uh, tickets this week for her show in Vegas if you go to bradgarrettcomedy.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T, bradgarrettcomedy.com. So, listen, she's a fan of this podcast, so she obviously has a twisted sense of humor. Karen Ronkowski, (laughs) welcome to the show. Joshua, thanks for having me. It's so good to hear your voice in person again instead of just on your podcast. It's been a year since I've seen you. I know, and you know, it's it's funny because I feel like we're kindred old souls, you know, like old spirits on the same wavelength, because you must admit right off the bat, before we dig into all the little questions I have prepared for you, when you really kind of get the paranormal, there is something absurd about all of it, right? There is, and it always makes me, uh, I always get furious when people don't get that it's funny, or even the TV people are like, oh, nobody wants funny paranormal. And I'm like, of course they do. It's it's like anything in life. That's You have to find the humor in it. You know you're married. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just had my anniversary. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yes, thank you, thank you, yes. No no accolades needed there. <laughs> but, you know, and uh, I, I love Lauren. I know. I can't wait to see you guys this week. I, I know. We can't wait to come back and see you for our third time watching your show in person. And But, you know, honestly, it is weird how that I think some people get turned off by the paranormal because they watch all these TV shows and they see everybody taking themselves way too seriously to the point where they just kind of look conceited and egocentric and kind of dumb. And the whole reason that we're interested in this stuff is because it is fun to explore and to imagine these you know, new different types of possibilities. So I really admire what you do because that you're, you're emphasizing that. But let's get to the basics. For people who, who don't know anything about you, um, where are you from? Where do you live now? And what is your description of what you do? Uh, well, I'm originally from Pittsfield, Massachusetts. 
And now I live in Los Angeles, or sometimes I say I leave my things there because I'm on the road so much. And, um, well, it's hard to say. So I read tarot cards during the day. I do my comedy at night and on the road. And actually my goal, uh, Joshua, I can't wait till you get to see this someday. I just did it for Valentine's. I'm starting to do it all over L.A. I do uh, 40 minutes of stand-up. And then I read tarot cards from the uh, stage and make it funny with the crowd. And that is actually my dream. That's what I would love to be doing all the time on the road. So I'm making that happen now. But I guess I'm a, uh, I'm too many things, a paranormal stand-up tarot reader, I guess. <laughs> so you always hear that when someone decides to go into stand-up, uh, they got damaged in some way uh, in life. So what went wrong with you, Karen? What happened here? <laughs> well, you know what? I kind of have this theory uh, that everyone, I don't know, is childhood fun? Did you have a fun childhood? <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd rather be an adult. <laughs> I know, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think I think comics are just people that because everyone has. I just feel like everyone has pain, and it was a. And comics are just the people where it went so far; it was just ridiculous. So uh, I don't know if it was one thing. I remember a psychic once described my childhood as a continuous panic attack. So uh, I think that sums it up. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know that it was. That's a good thing, though. I think. Um, comics are funny when they can reach the level of pain that the audience is. And that doesn't mean they're material. It's like it's like if you meet someone that's totally different than you and you can relate, there's some sort of common denominator. I think that's what makes the best comics is they can sort of connect somewhere to the pain of all the people in the audience. That's why they always say, you know, People with perfect lives don't do comedy. And I, I've seen some of them, but I think they're all in denial. Well, you are such a great entertainer. It is natural for you to always be thinking about the audience and what makes the audience happy. And it may seem to you that it's boring to talk about the A, B, C, D progression of your own life, but it's actually not. I mean, <laughs> uh, you'd be amazed. I, I'm, I, I'm curious. Everybody's curious. Uh, because you know you really do live a, 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 an extraordinary life. So you know, take us down that path. A, B, C, D. Like, what transitions did you go through to bring you to that decision? This is what I want to do, and uh, you, you had to get a big break here or there. Like, tell us the story. Right. Well, I think there's another theory I have that comics are born. That, that we come into this world and we're all a little different because I was really a loner. In fact, when I ran into someone years later that was at my show that was in my high school, she said, you, I never saw someone so independent as you. You were just alone all the time. And I was really an athlete. And there was a lot that went wrong when I was uh, playing. I was actually quite a basketball player and I wanted to play for Syracuse. And um, there a lot went wrong in there with changing coaches and stuff like that. It was just 
kind of took all the joy out of sports for me. Um, and I was a terrible student. In fact, I don't even know how I made it through high school. Uh, I made it through and I went to college. I'm dyslexic, but, you know, when I was that age, nobody really knew what that was. They just kind of thought you were dumb. So uh, I didn't do very well in high school, Uh, went to an easy college, majored in communications, uh, couldn't wait to get out. And while I was in college, I remember turning on a TV show and watching, they had one female comedian on, and I was like, I could do that. I remember thinking, I could do that. As a kid, I had had all the albums and listened to them till I knew them by heart, and I had always told jokes at the church uh, talent show. But when I saw her, I remember it's actually a lady I know named Karen Haber, and I was like, I got to do that. So I... I didn't I didn't know I wasn't going to do I think I have a degree in graphic design. I don't even know. I was like I just got to get out of here. And I actually graduated a semester early. I went straight through. My parents were like just get a degree, get a, get a degree. I went straight through, did a internship over the summer, and then I think I had $1000 in my pocket and I got on a plane and I came to Vegas. And I became a cigarette girl. But it's so amazing, Joshua, the things that when you're young, you don't like. Now, I would never just move somewhere with $1,000. Like, that was insane. <laughs> I was like, right. I don't even know what I was doing. I bought, I paid, way overpaid for some car. I didn't know how to drive. I, it was just insane. But then I met a bellman at Caesars Palace, and he said he did stand-up, and he said, you want to come to an open mic? So I go to this open mic, and uh, I have one old joke that was dirty. And I get up, and I tell that joke, and it got such a big laugh. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this forever. Then, of course, everything I had written, because you're not funny in the beginning, you don't know what you're doing, was just terrible. And the guy came up to take me off, you know, to say, thank you very much, Karen Rontowski. I was so excited. I hugged him and I gave him a kiss. (laughs) And it's like, he was quite a bit older. I was like 22 and he was like 60. And I just remember thinking that that's how excited I was. And like now, if I ever saw that, I would laugh hysterically. But that was it. That was then I was done. That was all I was going to do. And so... At what point were you inspired to bring the metaphysical, the paranormal into all this? You know, I think that your your comedy always is inspired from your daily life. So uh, if you have money troubles, you're writing about money troubles. If you're having love troubles, you write about love troubles. And the paranormal is so much of my life. Like, I remember seeing talking about psychics and stuff and someone saying, "Oh, that's all garbage." And I was thinking, "What kind of what kind of a person thinks that's not true?" You know what I mean? Like people more people would say that and I was like, "What kind of person are you that you don't believe in that?" And so it just became part of what I, you know, it was what I was thinking about all day, so it's what ended up in my act. And even now just putting the tarot on stage with it, it's like Everything I love. I always think how blessed I am to have two jobs that I love and no bosses. You know, when I was growing up, um, my parents were very open-minded about 
well, we'll call it the paranormal, the the strange. My my mom has always been sort of a natural. She she just talks about ESP. My ESP is telling me this. My ESP, and she has just done some incredible stuff. I mean, pulling out, you know, specific dates and names, and I don't know how she does it. So, uh, but I have a, a family background that has helped me sort of open my mind, and so. Uh, were there experiences that you had uh, growing up that sort of opened your mind to the fact that the paranormal, the metaphysical is, is real and should be taken seriously? I did. And it was when I was a little kid and my sister is three years older than me, but she's like five, two, five, one, five, two. So she, I'm five, nine. So she was always sort of littler, but she was the older sister, and she always had epilepsy, and she would know when she was going to have a seizure, and so uh, she would always say, I'm going to have a seizure, and we slept in the same room, so I would know when she was having a seizure at night. So one day, um, we all went to the beach. We went to Cape Cod, and the waves were huge, and it was so fun, and she wouldn't go into the water. I think I was maybe... um, I can't remember if this was maybe sixth grade, so uh, so I was pretty young. And uh, she said, I just don't feel good. And then finally she decided to go in the water. And she's about 20 feet from me. And we both go over the first wave, fine. And she's right next to my father. And she turns and looks at me. And she screams, oh, my God, I'm going to have a seizure. So I run over to her. She puts her arms around my neck and then, like, wraps her legs around my waist, and I start to run into shore. And then I hear in my head, no, go back into the water. So I turn around, and I start running out deeper, and this huge wave comes, and I jump into it, and my dad said the only thing that made it over the curl was her head And if we had been in any closer, we would have been pulled into the undertow and tumbled or pulled back out, you know, underwater. So when we got to the beach uh, and she had her seizure and she was okay, I said to my dad, why didn't you grab her when she screamed? And he said, she never screamed. And then I asked my sister, tell him you screamed, and she said, I froze. So that's a pretty good experience and that was probably the one that really got me started and then you started doing research and and just you know found that you were connected to all this i i presume and Mm -hmm. so do you you, i mean i i've always felt like that uh, if you listen to the universe the universe will speak to you and it will guide you and it will you know you'll have synchronicities and signs that lead you Uh, to what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, have you felt that way with the path that you've taken? Yeah, and you know what, uh, Joshua? No more so than now. Like, you know, when I started, I always studied tarot, and it was always just a fascination to me. And I think I started my tarot reading business, I think it was maybe five years ago, and I just said, you know, 30 years a week on the road was too much. And I said, I think I can cut this in half, and I'll do this a little bit on the side. And it kind of exploded to now uh, I kind of have two full-time jobs. But um, 
I feel like even the whole universe now, you know, we use the phrase, the veil is getting thinner, but I feel like right now I've got, this last year was a lot about my shadow side in my face. Like, what are you trying to control? What are you trying to do? And I'm just going with the flow now and really listening to my heart, which is also, you know, some of these clubs I go to, I'm getting, maybe I'm a little getting aged out or, you know, there's so many comics. But now I'm on this path of I know exactly what I want to do. And it seems like every time I veer off the plan, it doesn't go right. And then when I just say, you know what, what do you want to do? Don't think about the money. Don't think about anything. You just do what you want to do, and everything goes right. In fact, I was laughing because this week, every time I say it, I'm getting a residual check from something. So I'm going to keep saying it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting residual checks from things I didn't even know were out there. And I'm like, that feels like the universe going, yeah, just do what you want to do. One of the things that I sense about you is that you have a good balance between what we usually call the right brain and the left brain. So you can kind of see things from different points of view. And so for somebody out there who maybe has just sort of walked by a deck of tarot cards or whatever, I mean, like, how would you explain in a logical and creative way what tarot is and why it works and, and what you do with it? Well, I you, you're ta- I always feel like the cards are my little friends. That's how much I love the cards. Um, I would suggest someone get, especially if they were interested in tarot, to get a tarot reading in person. Like 90% of mine are on the phone. But I had the best teacher. And I would go to her for readings. And she would tell me these little tidbits about the cards. Well, this one means this and this one means that. And you put these two together. And I just thought, I thought, this is a puzzle. And if I'm psychic or I'm not psychic, I can put together this puzzle and figure it out. And that's when I really started studying the cards. I started getting books and I started watching videos and I just couldn't take in enough of the symbolism and the colors and that kind of thing. And I thought I didn't really notice until I was into this that however much I studied, the intuition woke up. Like it was just they were so connected. It wasn't just a study of symbols and colors and what this means. The two of them work together. I believe the symbols on the card, like um, Jung talks about this the same way, or the the archetypes, especially of the major arcana. Um, they were Jung used those symbols. Carl Jung used those symbols to explain dreams. Um, he was kind of saying how the major arcana, which we call the fool's journey, because it's really what it is. It's one guy's journey, the cycle of life. Um, he said those are all in our subconscious. Those are those are just the archetypes that we all know, we're all familiar with. Um, there's a famous book called um, The Writer's Journey, and it was written by a screenwriter, and he talks about how to write a screenplay. And it's literally the fool's journey. Like when you know the fool's journey, it's all about every story ever told. It's the same as that. So you make all these connections and you realize these are the cycles of life. These are the stages that we go through. And these are sort of just guidelines to help us. Because I'm sure you're like me. I don't think time is linear. I think it's lateral. Yes. 
and 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 so and so let me ask you this uh for thousands of years philosophers have been debating freedom versus determinism so in other words when you're sitting there and you are doing a tarot reading are you saying this is what's going to happen or this is what could happen but you can change it uh the second one this is the path you're on now uh in fact that's a, you know once i had a dream and uh i i had been meditating it was when i first learned to meditate and i was really tuned into things and i had a dream and in the dream the seashell rang and i answered the seashell and through it came a voice and it said uh hey karen it's this is god did you have something you wanted to ask me and i asked something silly i can't remember what i asked because it was a dream and uh, then he said, are you sure that's all you want to ask me? And I said, well, let me, here's a question. I said, um, is everything fate or is it how much work we put in? Because I'm working very hard and I would really like to just watch TV. And <laughs> I heard, I remember hearing this laughter through the seashell that like went on forever and then finally the voice came back and he said, you pick. And I was like, oh, that's such a bad answer. You pick. Um, but, you know, recently I've been studying a lot of UFO stuff. And I kind of uh, think that I really think that there's different timelines and that they're all splitting. So we are choosing the timeline that we go on. I know I'm jumping around, Joshua, but I know your listeners can follow it because they listen to you. And so they know all this stuff. But it's, I really think we are, we are in control and we have choices. I do think that we're all pushed sort of, you know, it just is how society is. They push us all to do this stuff. They push us all the same way. They want us all to be the same, whether that's the government or the whoever you want to call it, the Illuminati, whatever. They want us all in line. They want us all afraid. It's like on my podcast, I can't tell you how many emails I get. I'm sure you get the same of people that love the podcast because they can't talk about it where they live. They can't talk about the paranormal or the metaphysical. Their friends and family will think they're insane. And it's like, how come we're all so pushed to sort of fit into that same uh, category? Am I making any sense at all? <laughs> you definitely are. I have some good questions, but let's pause for a moment. Uh, how can people find your podcast? Uh, it's Paranormal Karen. They can find it wherever podcasts are. And, uh, you know, iTunes or uh, it's on Google. If you Google it, you'll find it. It's on Apple iTunes. It's on iHeartRadio. Uh, it's all over the place. And, uh, yeah, and they can listen to the Joshua P. Warren episode. That's a great episode. Oh, the best, right? That's that's <laughs> the one that gets all the five out of five stars. Um, it does. So, <laughs> so uh, okay, Destiny and fate, boy. All right, so if you can choose, you know, like you, you, you were just saying, you know, you pick. It, 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 well, then I guess what that really means is there is no such thing as destiny and fate unless you choose to believe that that's the path. I mean, 
I know there are scientists who might be listening to this like, good Lord, these how many mushrooms have these people eaten tonight? Because, <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't jump off a cliff and fly like Superman. That's not going to happen. You're not, you're not going to live forever like a vampire. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, it, it almost seems like there's a, there's a point somewhere in there that we're all searching for where – we have to think there is a fate and a destiny of some kind that's unavoidable, but then there are all these choices that you can make, and we're trying to find that sweet spot. I mean, how do you feel about yeah. that as a person who does the work that you do? Uh, that I feel like there's sort of bullet points in your life. There's karmic things, like you're, you're supposed, like you were supposed to meet Lauren, and there's probably some sort of synchronized or, or, you know, story about that, how you were supposed to meet her. And let's mm-hmm. say you met her at a nightclub and you had made the choice not to go to that nightclub that night. Then I believe you would have bumped into her in the grocery store. So in other words, certain things are meant to be or certain choices. Like people always ask me when they're going to meet the one. And I think there's five. You may get the first one. <laughs> Or the second one. But you know what I mean? This whole pressure that out of there's only one. I only have one match. I think that that's, I think there actually are more choices. But I definitely see what you mean. Like I think there are bullet points like you were supposed to meet this person or you're supposed to be in this area at that time. And I think that is like you have your choice but your guides or your angels. And like you said, when you're listening to the flow, you're going to land where you're supposed to be. So for uh, on my anniversary, I should say, Lauren, thank God you were the five. Like, you know, the first four different... <laughs> I can't, I, I can't help, but, you know, you're a comedian, so I have to try my best. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Exactly. All right. So, um, but, okay, no, but let's look at your your actual physical routine. I mean, like, what... I, mean, I don't know if there is such a thing as a typical day for you, because, I mean, you are. You're traveling all the time. And when you walk into an establishment, it's a different ball game every single time. That's got to be super stressful. Like, tell me what is a quote-unquote typical day like for Paranormal Karen? Well, a typical day, especially if I'm in Los Angeles, I get up in the morning and I write and I meditate and then I ride my bike to yoga and I ride my bike home and then I do three to four readings and then I go out to a show. And that is, uh, that's kind of a typical night. When I need a rest, uh, people won't believe this, but some of my favorite days, I just turn off the phone all day and I clean my house. And uh, that's actually rest for me. Um, but my life is pretty exciting. Uh, the comedy is, uh, it's funny because people always think the comedy is scary. But after you do it for a while, you really get, um, you get like, you get used to that there's going to be good shows and bad shows. And the more you do it, the fewer bad shows there are. And I think that um, it's kind of why comedians tend to bond together. Like we really, in L.A., comedians are really kind of their own thing, and everybody's sort of like, yeah, they're all a little weird. And I sort of have this saying in L.A. that my friends always agree with is, I'd rather hang out with a comic I don't like than a civilian I do because they kind of get it. We're all sort of of the same thought pattern. And you can have a crappy show and go, oh, my God, that was awful. And the other person will know exactly what you're talking about. So we're all a little 
different. Comedians are a little different. But um, that's really a typical day. Other than that, it's a lot of travel and, uh, uh, as a lot, like you said, a lot of different audiences. I did a show at a nudist colony once. Uh, so everything, every. I mean, I've done shows uh, on the back of trucks. I've done shows. Uh, for, I opened for Ray Charles. Like, it's kind of an exciting life. So I don't know if there is a typical day. Oddly enough, over the past uh, couple years, I have had more and more uh, comedic energy come into my life. And, I, and I've always uh, done comedic stuff. I won't get into that. But, but just recently, I mean, I'll give you some examples. I was invited last year to go do an investigation at the Comedy Store, uh, which is very mm. haunted there in Los Angeles. And I made some really good friends there, Stephen Randolph and Chelsea Skidmore. And, you know, they're married, and, and they are both stand-ups, and they work there. And then also... Uh, Rob Riggle, who was on Saturday Night Live, and uh, he was in the movie The Hangover. Uh, he has a show that's going to come out on Discovery Channel March 8th called Rob Riggle, Global Investigator. And he came here and did a whole episode with, with me, and uh, I was I was like his expert. And we, were, we just started kind of like riffing off of each other and, and having a lot of fun with this topic. And so basically um, – what do you think the connection is between the paranormal and humor? And then I'm going to ask you an even more basic question. Well, let's start with that one. Oh, okay. And Rob Riggle is great. I cannot wait to see that episode with you. That's going to be fantastic. Um, you know what it is? But you also, Joshua, are really an entertainer. And being an entertainer, and you're a comedy lover, so I think you 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 know what I mean. If you had chosen a different path of stand up, who knows? We'd both be over here at the MGM um, because yeah. I think you have that in you. But it's also an unending curiosity. Hmm. It's you know I I I don't know what the word retired looks like. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know you know. Um, it's constantly wanting to know why and wanting to know more and always having that innocence to go, what happened over there? Instead of sort of, uh, another thing, you're like me, it's like, I don't, I want to do, I don't want to watch. Everybody was like, well, are you a cheerleader? Were you a cheerleader? No, I played the game. I wanted to play in the game. And I think that's sort of that paranormal, it's a never-ending game. It's never, we're never going to meet the finish line. And I think that's what kind of makes it so kind of joyful. Even if it's a dark topic sometimes, it's really so fascinating that there's always another day with another curiosity. You know, that that makes perfect sense. I mean, you're you're right. I mean, it, it's that is probably where the two come come together and meet. And so here's the more basic question. What is humor. Hmm. That's interesting because humor is so subjective. Um, I think it's either, um, it's, it's funny because, you know, there's seven jokes. Have you ever heard that saying? I don't know what it's seven. I have, yeah. Yeah, and there literally are seven joke formulas. 
And as you go, keep going with being a comedian, you learn them, and they become a part of your brain, and that's how your brain starts to think. But even within that formula, you can write the perfect formulated joke and not have it work. And then you write one that you feel like is sloppy, and everyone laughs at it. So what is humor? I think it's just um, the – it's really weird. My brain just – maybe that was the flow. It's the realization of um, things – the realization that nothing should be taken seriously. I I mean, I think that's that's a very, uh, like you said, simple yet complicated question. Yeah, and it kind of seems like that – I mean, like, you know the mechanics of a joke more than anybody I've ever talked to. I mean, does somebody always have to pay for it? Do you always have to have the guy who slips on the banana pill in some form for something to be funny? I mean, I I just don't – to me, I'm not saying that I have an agenda behind this question. I've always felt that humor is one of the most mysterious things that uh, humans uh, deal with. Yeah, it's a um it always uh every joke has a victim and usually you punch up. So, uh with that like sometimes the victim is yourself, it can be self-deprecating. Um sometimes the victim is just ignorance. Um but it's very interesting uh George Carlin was once on stage and he was doing great and the crowd was going nuts. And he said, you guys don't love me. And they were like, no, we love you. And he was like, no, 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 you don't love me. Because when I'm gone, there's just going to be another one of me. And then you're going to go follow that person. And he said, listen, even if the whole world is uh, blown up and there's six people left, you know the minute they start rebuilding, one of them is going to go, that's not right. And he goes, that's who we are. We're the people that go, that's not right. Wow. So, so there's so so there is inherently uh, a, a negative, critical, cynical component to finding a humorous angle. Then is that is that what you mean by that? Yes, and there's anarchy. I feel like all comedy is anarchy. Even if you're saying that TV commercial, that's not what what they're saying. That's anarchy. Whether you're a political comic that's going up against the system, but it's always kind of going. That's not right. And then it sort of spans from the obvious, you know, I was thinking the same thing, that didn't look right, to the other end of the spectrum, which is come into my world. That's what I feel like I do sometimes, especially when I get silly. I pull people into my world. You know, I didn't realize, sometimes I say, so I was at a UFO convention, and all of a sudden there's a big laugh, and I didn't realize, oh, they weren't at a UFO convention. And it's like their curiosity is, all right, let's go into her world. Let's see what happens when an adult lady goes to a UFO convention. (laughs) So it's a little of all of that. It's kind of your perspective. In fact, the best comedians are the ones that, that have that perspective that know how to be themselves. Because most people are funny. I think everybody, like, that's okay. When I go out on dates a lot, a lot of times uh, guys will try and make me laugh. And <laughs> I was just about to, you're so psychic. I was about to ask you this question. Yeah. Okay. Please, go ahead. And, uh, and I feel bad for them because I hang around the funniest people in the world. That's not going to be where you fit in my life. But I find, 
when people are just being themselves, they are funny. They're truly funny. Yeah, we're we're like I say, it's not surprising we're on the same wavelength because you know I was going to ask you like, okay, when you meet people, do you say, hey, I'm Karen, I'm a comedian? I mean, because if you do that. They're going to say the dumbest stuff to you. They're going to be like, whoa, tell me a joke. Make me laugh, right? Like, how do you deal with that type of situation? Um, you know what? I don't – sometimes I don't really advertise it right up front, but um, it, I, my friend – I have a friend, Betsy Sulkine, and she has the funniest comeback for that because people go, uh, you do stand-up, are you funny? And she goes, no, it's not that kind of humor. <laughs> I love that answer. I wish I had thought of it. Um, If people say, it's very interesting because people want you to be that person that's on all the time. And I'm like, if you want pitch meeting Karen, that's great. I'll give you pitch meeting Karen, but you're going to be tired and you're not going to know who I am. So I, I think if people say something like that on an airplane, they say, say something funny. I just say, uh, you can't afford me. (laughs) well it's like you know i have friends here in vegas who are magicians and we have a love-hate relationship because i just like to annoy them if we're out somewhere i'll be like hey this guy's a great magician do a trick do a trick you know i'll handle a napkin and they look at me they give me that evil eye like you son of a and and i just kind of pressure them into doing tricks and stuff and then if they won't do it i'll be like well i'll do a trick then you know and they look at me like they hate me even more than when i pull out my fake thumb (laughs) So, um, but, okay, let's say, hate to ask you this, let's say you get dragged into, you know, an eight-year-old's birthday party at the restaurant. Uh, What's your your go-to, do you have a go-to joke, like if you get pulled into uh, an eight-year-old's birthday party? Um, (laughs) I just did it, didn't I? <laughs> I don't know if I have an eight-year-old a joke for an eight-year-old, but this is, if, I, if I'm doing, an eighty-year-old, okay. So I, I, you mean like an old street joke that that I can tell people that'll make them laugh and get them off my back? I mean, like it's like, do you have any kind of like a go-to? Because like for me, everybody wants to uh, hear a ghost story, you know. So I got my go-to ghost oh, yeah. story. But yeah, do you have your go-to joke? Um, you know, I, I'm starting to think I don't talk to people. Uh, (laughs) Um, you know what? I, I can't think of one, like just in, in person jokes are very hard because it's sort of, um, you're putting the pressure on them to laugh, but usually you can improv something. I'll usually improv uh, anything like really you asking the comedian to say something funny when you're wearing that tie or you know what I mean? Like something like yeah. I would point it right at them and just kind of riff on that. Uh, but uh, I can't remember. Uh, now I don't really tell a joke from my act. Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of the old thing. We always said, don't, uh, don't tell anyone you're a comedian. In fact, I used to, on my business card, it just used to say Karen Rontowski, President of the United States. That's all it said on it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, like, it's almost like an inside joke, but people have a sense of humor. Are gonna, they're going to have that curiosity, and they're going to say, well, this woman is obviously funny because she's putting something 
absurd, <laughs> you know, on her business card. And, 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 you know, Karen, I could talk to you all night long, but honestly, as we record this, um, your show's going to start in like two hours. So, I mean, I you, 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 you've, you've really done a favor for me to even come on this podcast and, and record this. So, uh, before we officially ha- have to wrap this up, um, I want you to please tell everybody listening anything you want about what you're doing, how to find you all over the net, all over the world. So the floor is yours. Well, first of all, thank you, Joshua. And I always love talking to you and hanging out with you. I can't wait to see you this week and the lovely Lauren. Everybody, you can find me. uh, I actually enjoy my Instagram, at Rontowski, R-O-N-T-O-W-S-K-I. But you can go to KarenRontowski.com or ParanormalKaren.com. They all lead to my website, and you can. Um, there's a subscribe button. I only send out an email about once every two months. But there you can find my comedy or whether you want a tarot reading or, um, yeah. But Instagram is really the best. I post all my dates there. I put up maybe five or six jokes a week. And, um, yeah, that's – and, you know, put in Rontowski. There are no longer any more Rontowskis. I'm it. You will find me, and that's all you need. <laughs> well, Karen, the clock has got us. You are a very busy lady, but I want you to know that Lauren and I sincerely love the work that you do. You're a fascinating lady. I love your outlook on the world. Congratulations on all your success, and I – and I look forward to enjoying your show for the third time in person in just a few days. So thank you again for being on Joshua P. Warren Daily. All right, folks, Karen Rontowski. And now here is a sample of Paranormal Comedy by Karen Rontowski. Paranormal Karen. Here we go. We're obsessed with death in my family. In fact, uh, I have a job. I work part-time as a ghost hunter. Yeah, I do, folks. Don't be afraid of ghosts. Ghosts are just energy. They used to be able to turn TVs on and off all the time, but now they just stand around the three remotes going, I don't know which one it is. And don't ever use a Ouija board. Ouija boards are bad. Someone told me a Ouija board will scream if you burn it. But I found out that's only true if you light it on fire while it's still in your friend's lap. (laughs) It is. Ouija boards are terrible. One one flew across the room and hit my dad in the head. It was awful. Freaked out my mom because she was aiming for his throat. And every place I go, people call me. They go, Carrie, you got to go to this hotel. There's a haunted by a woman that died in her wedding dress in the bathtub. Carrie, you got to go to this train station. It's haunted by a woman that jumped in front of the train in her wedding dress. Carrie, you got to go to this shop. It's haunted by a woman trying to buy a wedding dress. <laughs> Ladies, do we need more reasons not to get married? <laughs> Here's a call I never get. Karen, you got to help us. Our house is haunted by the ghost of a single woman that had a great career and no kids. Never a problem, never. And I own a haunted mirror, you know. People give me scary things because uh, I like them. Uh, this is a real, it looks like it stands on its own, looks like it's in a Hitchcock movie. And uh, it's not a kind mirror. 
right? Ladies know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Kind mirror in the nightclub with the very soft lighting makes you look very young. This is a mean mirror. <laughs> mean mirror makes you look like what you look like. Uh, <laughs> so I don't like the mean mirror. I push it over to the side. Friend of mine comes over. She's a medium and an alcoholic. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, you know... There's a little boy looking at you from the other side of that mirror. Isn't that awful? I hate children. <laughs> I do everything to child-proof my house. I have pills and sharp objects everywhere. <laughs> Power tools, Tide Pods, so... <laughs> Parents never bring them back. And now I have this. So here's what I found out. Mirrors are actually portals to another time. So I said to my friend, where did you get that mirror? He got it from his grandma, who got it when she worked in an elementary school in the 1920s, which means somewhere back in time. A teacher says to a student, what are you looking at? And the kid says, I'm not sure, but I think it's a naked lady pulling Fritos out of her underwear. <laughs> And people come up to me all the time and they say, Karen, can you teach me how to ghost hunt? And I tell them, it's very easy. You go to a haunted place and you turn on a tape recorder and you have the same conversation that married people have during sex. You say, could you make some noise so I know you're here? And do you feel anything? <laughs> and a very cold presence has entered the room. Thank you very much, Bingham.